Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. As human populations expand, there is pressure on natural habitats. They are looked upon as sources of natural resources that can fuel economic growth and help national missions like poverty reduction. As natural habitats shrink or prove inadequate, people and animals are increasingly coming into conflict. Did you know, according to government data from last year, more than 2,300 people in India were killed by elephants, while tigers claimed more than 200 lives in five years. More than 32,000 animals, including cattle, elephants, lions and leopards, have been killed on railway tracks in the past four years. In India, human-animal conflict is on the rise. All Indians matter. We have on the show Anu Jale, an environmental anthropologist and assistant professor at the National University of Singapore's South Asian Studies and Comparative Asian Studies departments. Her interdisciplinary research and teaching experience focuses on the non-human interface, environment and climate change, religious identity and migration, caste and social justice. Her primary region of specialization is South Asia, specifically India and Bangladesh. Through her engaged anthropology, she raises awareness about global environmental degradation, rising social inequities, and the growing dispossession of vulnerable communities. Anu is well known for her scholarship on the Sundarbans, its people, forests, and ecological terrain. Her book, Forest of Tigers, People, Politics, and Environment in the Sundarbans is essential reading for anyone interested in the mangrove forest. Today, we will speak about increasing incidents of human-animal conflict in India. Welcome to the show, Anu. Thank you so much, um, Ashraf. Um, it's a great honor to be invited by you and uh, All Indians Matter. Uh, it's our honors, all ours. Anu, uh, let's get to it straight away. Anu, why is human-animal conflict growing in India? So human-animal conflict is growing in India for many reasons you know, uh, habitat loss, degradation due to mining and developmental activities, uh, deforestation, broken corridors, for example, which impedes uh, the movement of animals such as elephants. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, animals are starving. Uh, elephants are starving and uh, they, they raid crops. Um, and this is why uh, human animals are... Um, you know, are, are growing. And you yourself gave the numbers, right? Uh, 2,300 uh, people killed by elephants and more than 20 people killed by tigers in just 2,000. I think more than 200. 200. 200, in fact, in five in, years. In five years for the elephants and no, for the tigers. In five years for tigers, 200 lives claimed by tigers in five years. Yes. And, and this year, just in the Sundarban, when the average had been around five deaths per year, this year in the Sundarban, it's been more than 20. So that's a significant rise, four times. Right? Mm. Uh, and what forms does this conflict take? It takes it takes many forms. For example, uh, the the terrible uh, death of um, the elephant that ate a pineapple that had um, crackers inside it, right? Firecrackers inside it. Yes, and that was um, laid by farmers to deter elephants from destroying their crops to, you know, to to come there but sort of that that um that really raised awareness amongst a lot of people but unfortunately um you know the blame is always put on the weakest member of society 
And this is why uh, the criminal system in India is disproportionately filled with um, and uh, Dalits and minorities. And it is it is because increasingly, really, it is easier to blame the little guy than to point the finger right. at uh, the environment ministry, for example, which instead of saving Indians, India's forests, grasslands and mountains uh, seem to be intent on destroying it. Um, you know, in in the last, uh, it, it just in this year, um, it it looks like the environment ministry's job has been to issue environmental clearances to ease the grabbing of forests, rivers, lands for corporate India, and to render those who live off the forests or rivers or the seas completely obsolete. Uh, look at what is happening to those who feed India at the moment, and uh, how um, uh, you know. The government has given up its responsibility and uh, would like big corporations to deal with uh, the little guys. And and in this dealing, um, you know, one group will always come on top, and uh, it's it's the little guy who is going to um, to to die off. Um, so this is really, um, you know, terrible. I was, you know, you 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 you've heard of the destruction of Chhattisgarh's forest, right, uh, for coal mining. Uh, so. Chhattisgarh's Korba region, for example, has been completely destroyed. Will Hasdeo Aranth Forest be next? Uh, the ministry in 2009 had said it was a no-go area. Um, right. And, and you know, even in 2014, uh, there was... It was recommended that the place should be inviolate for mining, but it received uh, stage one forest clearance in February of this year. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, they have uh, marked that 841 hectares be diverted for the mines. And, and these lie in very, very dense forest. So I fear that um, the you know, the, the conflict will just uh, exacerbate. And what is also very, very frightening is that all those at the moment speaking up for the little guy are finding themselves in prison. And um, I, I'll just take a minute to mention a few names. Sure, sure. please. So Mahesh Roth, for example, a young person who was arrested uh, in the Bhima Koregaon case, a graduate of TIS, was helping the farmers of uh, Shudjaga. Uh, should Jagad fight against uh, corporate mining, uh, which was taking over their forests? And Nandini Sundar, somebody who mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for, uh, writes uh, how in December 2017, she attended a meeting that Mahesh, as part of the Bharat Jan Andolan, and he's also a co-convener of the Vistapan Virodhi Jan Vilas Andolan. So they, he had organized um, this to mark a decade of the Forest Rights Act and 20 years of the Panchayat Extension to Scheduled Areas Act. And these had been both landmark victories for Adivasi farmers and, um, you know, forest dwellers. But what happened next? He got arrested six months later in June 2018, along with Shoma Shen, a women's rights activist who was fighting against mm -hmm. dowry deaths and a professor uh, who had been working with the Committee for the Protection of Democratic Rights. So she has since been suspended from Nagpur University on the grounds that she had been in police custody, custody for more than 48 hours. Rona Wilson, secretary of the Committee for Release of Political Prisoners, he was on his way to do a PhD in London, mm -hmm. but before he could leave his house, he was uh, it was raided and he was arrested. Sudhir Dhawale, public uh, an activist publisher of the Marathi magazine Virodhi, 
and founder of Republican Partners, born in a Nagpur slum, tirelessly campaigned for the implementation of the Scheduled Caste and Scheduled Tribe mm-hmm. uh, Prevention of Atrocities Act, uh, was also imprisoned. Um, and Surendra Gadling, important human rights lawyer and Dalit rights activist, himself uh, born in a Dalit family, and had been taking up cases of encounter killings, police violences, uh, fake cases, uh, atrocities against Dalits and Adivasis. And most of his cases were pro bono. He has also, and all of these people have been booked, you know, put in prison under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act. And what is going on here? So in all of these cases, you know, the little guys are made to feel the brunt of the policies. And the little guys and those who stand up for them or those who support them, uh, for example, someone like Vinayak, uh, Vinayak Sen, uh, a Maxase awardee and devoted doctor, uh, look at the way he was treated by the Indian government. I really think it's a disgrace and not just that, it's it's frightening. That's right. In fact, you know, I was going to ask you about Hastevaran later, but it's a good time to continue talking about it. So I actually wanted to ask you about two recent conflicts. So one was, of course, Hastevaran, which you mentioned in Chhattisgarh where uh, the government wants to start at least 40 new coal fields. Now, this has been fiercely opposed by tribals who stand to lose their lands and way of life. In Goa, the effort is to turn the state into a coal hub, and that too has resulted in turmoil because of the impact on the environment and on local communities. Now, in both these cases, tiger habitats will be adversely affected. Uh, What long-term impacts can we expect from uh, on the environment? when there is such conflict see the long term impacts are 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 you know are criminal uh, there's no other word you know what i also fi- find uh, strange is that the environment ministry of india is the full name is the ministry of environment forest and climate change so how can you allow uh, clearances in the way the government has been if you're really serious about climate change um so right. so i think you know we do not need these uh these these big developmental projects um and we've seen what these big developmental projects have done it, they have just enriched a few and and left uh you know really uh, millions of people homeless uh, without any um structures of um yeah, you know, uh, structures of of uh, of dignity, really, uh, in in ways of making a a livelihood, uh, because these people, uh, with the Narmada Dam, for example, or any of these big projects, uh, the the Chhattisgarh, or you know, so where where are people going to go? They are going to just fill the slums of. Um, small towns and 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 big cities and and what kind of life is that you know um, where we know what happens to people who have left um, a sort of um, rural community in which they lived I'm in no way uh, you know so so this is this is uh, this is where I see that there is real um, you know it the government needs to rethink a lot of the ways in which it is um, it understands um, the environment. Absolutely. In fact, I know, uh, you know the central and some state governments in India have used the COVID-19 lockdown to fast track clearances. And all of these will affect our wildlife sanctuaries. Once again, the justification was the need for economic growth during COVID-19. Uh, your view on that? So, 
economic growth at what cost and it's not as if it's happening uh, only in india i look at what is happening in brazil with the amazon disappearing at the rate of at the rate of 3 football fields worth of rainforest per minute so and and environmental activists are being killed all over the world so but for me what is happening in india is really alarming because south asians across cultures and religions have traditionally had a very unique understanding of non-humans um you know china exterminated its elephants its tigers a thousand years ago india did not right it was it was with the british really that these massive uh hunting sprees killed uh I I don't remember the percentage exactly of uh wildlife but it it wasn't something that people in South Asia did you you had the the rajas and the sultans who killed um you know on on hunting um but it wasn't uh, it wasn't the way in which the the british organized these mm-hmm. hunts these hunts the mughal hunts for example and anand pandian has written a wonderful article on this it was it was a lot more to sort of understand the lay of the land to try and see what was happening in different parts it wasn't really a killing spree and so for me the the this the real really disturbing thing is how do people mm-hmm. understand you know how has this shift of the way in which the non-human was understood um you know traditionally the jains were the first really to to teach humanity uh to to give mm-hmm. importance and respect to the jiva or the living right to the extent that it wasn't just uh you know non-human animals that weren't killed it was also anything that grew mm-hmm. below the soil right so from from that to today becoming um the owners of some of the largest slaughter houses in india is um is quite something um again the biggest exporters of beef today aren't the muslims as everybody uh wants us to think and um you know with with the ways in which um muslims have been demonized and and lynched to death 50 have been more than 50 have been lynched to death in the last 4 years and more than 300 people attacked uh by gaurakshaks for example and yet if you want to know um the largest slaughter houses in today in india today are the al kabir export private limited the largest beef exporting company in the country who is it owned by satish sabarwal arabian exports owned by sunil kapoor alnoor exports owned by sunil sood aob exports owned by op arora mm-hmm. you know so um standard food uh, standard frozen food exports private limited owned by kamal verma um maharashtra food processing and cold storage sunik khatter so you know um why is it like if if you really are thinking about uh you know um protecting uh the cow it, it it's it's really incredible that uh these people are getting free passes in a way i'm not i have nothing against uh, the meat industry and all of that but the hypocrisy is just staggering to see that you know so so in a way it has been about economic um overtaking of uh, small uh, sure. small scale um muslim um produce, you know meat um, uh, meat shops and 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 by sure. these big companies and there have been a lot of um 
exposure on this but again the indian media is not talking about it today so so this is why you know the, the way in which we really have to for me understand um, this conflict it it is a deeper it it's a philosophical one it is that from a place where people sure. you know believe that you could re- be reincarnated as a non human from a place where uh, a lot of the dargas in bangladesh and pakistan have non human creatures like turtles and crocodiles which are supposed to bring blessings um which which teach you to be gentle towards the non human you have today a, a an outrageous um you know a new understanding that these are there just for you to make money and and i find that disturbing you know that the the whole ethos of perhaps a a a south asian way of life which was a lot more respectful of nature and of non humans is now um is now being um you know reversed mm. i know uh, there are there are many reasons like you cited for human animal conflicts so there's the rise of population the shrinking forest cover poaching rapid and unplanned urbanization agricultural expansion and so on could you describe the domino effect that has specifically on wildlife see basically it you know it 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 everything is linked so um it it is all about a thinking of resources a lot of the um wildlife sanctuaries in india today are enclosed spaces where the middle classes can go in their jeeps and uh, cameras and take photos of wildlife so so for me it is you know it mm-hmm. it it just there's a disjunct between how we think of the environment is it a place reserved for the 10% of the indian population which is the 10% that really owns most of everything that sort of is at at the helm of everything or are we going to think of the majority of indians and uh, and 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 try to find solutions so that everybody can coexist um so so for me you know this 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 has this will you know this is this is wrong this the, the 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 domino effect is is such that the pace at which today things are happening um before we know it you know india might become a complete desert um and 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 with climate change it it really is um frightening to think of uh, the future um that we are looking into the government has done nothing about pollution even after a lot of um reports have come out saying that in in uh, in and around delhi in north india in general people are losing 10 years of their lives to pollution okay so so how do we how do we rethink everything and i know this is a this is a complicated one because um uh and and you know one one may have um whatever one may think of gandhi at least you know for certain things he was thinking sustainability right his 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 the the way in which he was envisaging the future uh and and he he used to say there is enough um for everyone's need but not for everyone's greed and this is where you know we we really need to to rethink some of our um choices uh in big indian cities uh even in small towns um school going children wear socks and shoes uh they wear synthetic uniforms they wear ties is it really necessary haven't we given up the colonial understanding of how uh we should be dressing and um 
and 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 the bjp has done nothing about that you know i wouldn't mind them saying you know everybody should wear cotton from now on or or you know simple ways but it seems that it's 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 a given you know they've they've started this whole um ministry for cow protection when 75% of the milk in india comes from buffaloes and what about elephants what about other creatures what is this obsession with the cow um when you know when when uh when even for for milk we have we depend on other creatures so right. but anu uh, specifically i mean i wanted to ask you specifically about wildlife population and wildlife diversity and so the double new effect on that if you could explain wildlife population wildlife diversity so basically you cannot you cannot uh, you know if you are going to encroach on certain grasslands on certain forests on 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 rivers you cannot have the diversity that uh, and so the whole ecosystem is is broken and when an ecosystem is broken then you have uh, certain creatures that are going to um live and 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 kill the others so it it is it is a very delicate balance and uh mm-hmm. the balance is best maintained by sort of reserving entire spaces for um for animals and you know uh, ashraf I, my my research in the shundarbon has been about the ways in which people understand mm. tigers right and we know that shundarbon tigers have always been uh you know renowned for being man eaters and people have tried scientists have tried to understand why tigers in the shundarbon are are man eaters why do they swim over to villages why do they uh, attack humans and all of that and it's it's not very clear there are a whole lot of um Uh, ways to understand this you know is it because of the high salinity in the water is it because it's a a, a island area and therefore tigers have to swim uh, for hours when the tide is high and therefore they have they have no way of marking specific territories for example so we don't really know why they do that but what was interesting for me was to realize that people in the shundarbon did not think of tigers as these uh, cruel uh, creatures they talked about them as if tigers were brothers and they said you know we can understand why tigers are killing humans more and more are going into the forest um we are not respecting the forest um and the way in which they understood the environment was not a top down understanding where we are the stewards of nature no it wasn't that at all and and i think that this top down understanding is a very hierarchical one is one based in an understanding of humans in hierarchies whereas if you live in a society where you don't really um follow hierarchy that much you know uh, these are mainly in the sundarbans people are mm. mainly uh, from an sc st background so um they you know they saw tigers as creatures that protected them it was a two way thing it wasn't them protecting tigers it was also mm-hmm. tigers protecting them and they kept saying you know thank god those tigers are there in our forest otherwise the wood have been wiped off, wiped off by now uh and and if we had no wood if if the sundarban was just chopped off then the tsunami would have killed us the you know these big storms would kill us so so for them it is a symbiotic mm. relationship it is not one where where you need to protect nature 
but they've been they've been living uh you know uh, bengal has been a, a a region of tigers and uh, wherever there there were forest people lived in in symbiosis with the forest without any issues you know the problem comes when the state decides that certain um certain forests need to be preserved for wildlife and therefore it changes people's understandings of animals in a way um they see they start seeing them as animals and not as non-humans anymore so they start seeing them in a in a very judeo-christian way where the animal is there for for the benefit of the human and not one where the non-human is sort of in coexistence with the human yeah i think uh, what you're saying i i think you hit the nail on the head actually the the word is symbiosis isn't it one way of looking at the forests and wildlife is a, is an exploitative way the other way is to think of you yourself as uh, symbiotic creatures absolutely hit the nail on the head i think uh, i mean also sometimes uh, conservation has a has a, ha, when not done right has a is a problem too right it can actually lead to greater human animal conflict now i have some numbers here i don't they are not current you would know them better but india's tiger population rose from 1411 in 2006 to 2226 in 2014 now this has not necessarily coincided with more space for the tiger and it's also coupled with an increase in human population so the problem is an obvious one isn't it exactly totally it is an obvious one um and you know in 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 this uh so when i asked people in the sundarbon how they saw the the rise of tigers they they said something very interesting they said you know we know our old tigers they were cantankerous just as we are cantankerous you know living in this godforsaken place makes us all cantankerous and therefore our tiger charms worked on these creatures but the government has introduced new tigers that are bred in labs and that are uh, you know killing machines and we can't really negotiate we can't talk with these tigers but what was very interesting is the transposition of how this animal's sort of nature was being seen as a different one by people living in the sundarbon right that that there was suddenly this and this is why you know my my first piece um which was on morid chapi came about because this man uh when i told him that i wasn't i had come to the sundarbon not to work on 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 wildlife but but to sort of write about people's history and anthropology uh, this young man said oh aren't we just tiger food for you so so you know this is what there there had been a certain break suddenly the state had been seen as giving more importance to um these tigers than to the people living there and and again i think when when people um kill a tiger or 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 kill an elephant it is not really against the tiger that they have something it is against the the new symbol that the tiger or the elephant has taken on it's a symbol of the indian state of the high handedness of the high handedness of some elite who decide that you know this creature needs to live and you cannot touch it and this is where the anger comes and this is why you know the 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 brutality that one sees um so 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 you know what what are we doing by sort of imposing certain rules and regulations on people who have always lived in uh, you know happily uh, coexisting with with these creatures so yeah this is what you essentially saying is that the 
state influence or the corporate influence has upset that balance, which is what people are uh, uh, angry about rather than at the creature itself. Exactly. One of the forms that uh, human-animal conflict takes is poaching. And there seems to have been a significant rise in poaching during the lockdown. Now, a study by Traffic, which is a leading wildlife trade monitoring network, compared media reports of poaching in a six-week period before the lockdown and uh, with those from six weeks during the lockdown. And the number of reported incidents rose from 35 to 88. And the report said the increase may have been due to poaching by those who had lost their income due to the lockdown. Now, this is a whole new form of uh, human and animal conflict, isn't it? It, it's, it makes complete sense, right? People lost their jobs. Right. Uh, right. A lot of the... Uh, a lot of my, you know, uh, a lot of the people I know from the Shundurbon, um in the last 20 years who had gone to work in uh, various Indian cities have all returned to the Shundurbon in, in since um, March. So, so, and, and then what, what do they do? Um, they have started planting stuff, but those who have no land, how, how, do you, how do you save and feed your children if not by poaching? So I think it, you know, it, we really need to be taking care of the little guy. Uh, there is absolutely no safety net. All these people who lost their jobs, who weren't paid, who were, you know, sort of locked up without without any planning for what would happen to them. Right? It was it was it was just like with demonetization. No no real afterthought of how will this affect the little guys? How will this affect the small people? Um, so nothing. So one big decision made. Ha ha ha. You know, we are so good. We are going to fight COVID by by when 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 of course. Uh, we initially saw that it was um, the rich who were catching COVID and dying of it because they needed uh, people from the slums to come and work in their homes. And, um, you know, um, I, but but all, all over all over rural India uh, with with uh, access to jobs uh, cut down, people turned to uh, turned to the forest to make a living. So this is why poaching increased. And this is why in the Shundarbon, for example, when you had had only four or five people killed in the previous years by tigers, you had more than 20 people killed this year because people went into the forest to, uh, you know, get firewood, to uh, collect honey, to perhaps try and see if they could kill a deer mm. or, you know, so, 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 and, and they were then killed by, by tigers. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, here's the here's the critical question. Uh, how can nations, especially developing nations, balance the need for economic growth with that of maintaining the environmental treasures? Well, it, I think it's it's complex question. I know <laughs> it's really it's really, really difficult. Um, but, you know, and, and this is something that uh, not just India, but a whole lot of countries are facing uh how do you balance the two right how do you how do you manage to you know to 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 make sure that everybody gets but i i really think that you can't that decisions have to be made where you know countries are going to have to say okay we are cutting down our carbon uh and and we will we will not undertake these big projects we are not going to make another big statue or another big uh parliament or you know making these big dams just you know to 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 inflate the egos of the indian elite uh, it's nothing else but that it's to show india has arrived but uh, you know uh, uh 
uh, malnutrition worse than sub-Saharan Africa and um, uh, all kinds of um, um, crazy decisions in relation to the poor uh, is not going to help. And I and I really think that you know, uh, you know, people people say that okay, one should stop eating meat, one should stop flying, one should stop doing all of these things. And to a certain extent. I agree. But what is also very interesting is uh, when you look at statistics, okay, um, 90% of Indians have never flown, right? Um, 70% of Indians, those who are not vegetarians, eat between three to five kilos of meat per year when countries like the US and Australia eat um, more than 100 kilos of meat per year, right? So, so for me, it, it hasn't been about just, you know, okay, become vegetarian or whatever, which is what a lot of people today are saying. But it is about a greater respect of, of nature. And, 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 you know, so Radhika Govindarajan, for example, has written this beautiful piece on, um, on goats in, centra- in the central Himalayas. And she wrote this piece called The Goat That Died for Family. And in there, uh, she argues how there is a kind of interspecies kinship where the goat is requested to stand in for human children and sacrifice to the mountain gods or goddesses. And so they might get killed. But this killing, like in most religious uh, killings of uh, of animals, it, it cannot be de-linked to a form of respect and a form of gratitude for the non-human. And, you know, all over um, village India, where people eat um, non-humans, not only do they eat very little uh, fish and animal, but there is a, a, a greater respect, I feel, for these creatures than in many vegetarian middle-class homes that sort of will say, yes, yes, we are protecting the environment by being vegetarian, but who will, you know, uh, take flights um, and and um, not really think about the way they consume or they they buy products, right? Uh, in the Shundar one, wh- what are the products that people buy, really? They buy some clothes. Um, they buy some pitchers to collect water, uh, some pots and pans, but otherwise, you know, and some tools. Uh, otherwise, they make their own boats and everything else is made, right? So they are not causing any carbon footprint on anybody. And they are they are killing the chicken that they are raising. And it is not really contributing to, um, you know, climate change, the way in which middle class Indians or Americans are causing. Uh, so so this is this is I think there is a rethink thinking that really needs to be done mm-hmm. um yeah also Anu, you know let me let's talk a little bit about what happens on the ground we are talking here about wildlife staff and the general population do you think better training and sensitization of wildlife staff as well as better uh, education and sensitization in schools will help i think greater awareness of discrimination for everybody will be very important you know so so wildlife staff for example so they are going to reintroduce cheetahs right and uh, money for elephants hasn't been found yet so how, how do you why do you make these you know what kind of choices are these so um, i don't know how many cheetahs are going to be uh, brought from namibia 70 years after they were exterminated uh, from india and and on the other hand, you don't have any money to protect elephants. Um, so so the, these I feel are sort of gimmicks, and I think the wildlife staff needs to come from 
um, Adivasi communities and communities that lo- live in close proximity to forests because who better than them can know really what is happening. And I think, you know, government officials should should really be listening to these people, should be putting their ear to the ground, okay, in all humility and listen to what, you know, trees have to say to non-humans because... I, there is no other way out. This is the only way in which we can protect, uh, you know, we can salvage what 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 is still salvageable, which I don't think is much. But at least, um, you know, uh, we, we will we will have to really be a lot more conscious of the ways in which all of our actions are impacting yeah. Yeah, in fact, uh, non-humans. You know, yeah. 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 you know, this ham-handedness that you spoke about it reminds me of this uh, case in 2007. Uh, Delhi captured 19,000 monkeys. There's a huge monkey mm. menace in Delhi. So Delhi captured 19,000 monkeys and translocated them to a wildlife sanctuary created on the city's outskirts in an area which is near the Asola Bhatti mines. But that translocation actually only translocated the problem because there's something called the Sanjay colony over there at, at, on the outskirts where mm. near the sanctuary. And, you know, the problem then was transferred to them and there was an alarming number of attacks on humans there. Exactly. And this is where this is where I said that the most important thing that needs to be taught in Indian schools today is social justice, discrimination. You know, it's all about everything for me in India is about hierarchy. So basically, you are living in Delhi and, you know, you are at the top of the pecking order. And therefore, you just order that these monkeys be transferred somewhere else, right? Where there are lesser people who can cope with that. You don't care about it. You know, this is this comes from an, an ideology where you do not see humans as equals. This comes from an, a deep-seated feeling that you are owed more than others, that you are better than others. And therefore, you know, you can, you can, you know, you, you can uh, make sure that monkeys are, are kept away from, from um, your um you know, ecosystem. And, and yeah, you, you give that problem to everybody else. In the same way, you want to bring in cheetahs or you want to have elephants or you want to have tigers, but without really thinking about those who have to live with these creatures, right? And whose, whose farms are going to get affected, whose crops are going to be trampled upon, right? So, so this is, this is where for me and um, Shubra Gururani, and uh, they had written a piece uh, 20 years ago talking about caste and in, in Indian environmentalism and how everything was so um, caste related, you know. Even more recently, uh, there have been uh, studies on um, green saffron. Uh, so, so, so uh, you know, it, it for me, uh, a greater awareness of social justice, a greater awareness of discrimination, a greater awareness of how, you know, everybody should be treated equal under the Indian constitution. Really start from there and mm-hmm. a lot of things will, will, will get better. So, so here's my final question, Anu. Let's assume you are heading the government today, the Indian government today. <laughs> what are the immediate steps you'd take to reduce mm. human-animal conflict? <laughs> First, I would take climate uh, climate change really seriously, and not just put it in my ministry. Um, and and for that, I would start working with people on the ground. You know, the little guy. I would I would just make sure, uh, in a way, um, you know that that as as I said, I may have a lot of problems with Gandhi, but 
you know, this whole idea of having villages sustainable um, is an important one. And and Ambedkar's ideas of treating everybody equally, you know. So so I would I would start with just making sure that people who do not want, um, you know, mines in there would, would, you know, would be able to would be allowed to live uh in the way they want and not have i would just cut off all these these big corporations <laughs> and you know india has it's okay we we do not have to ape um and we do not have to measure individual success through you know uh, material possession okay this is this is something we have always learned right this is something we grow up with so so why this sudden you know obsession with with collecting and what also for me is uh, is deeply disturbing actually is mm. how a lot of these ministers okay all send their kids to uh, foreign universities and will expect them to settle there and will perhaps um, leave in 10 years time. Mm-hmm. And so they really have no responsibility towards the people who live, you know, who will be living with climate change 10 years, you know, already who are coping with it in places like the Shundarbon, but who are going to have to live with this 10, 20, 30 years from now. You know, entire places are going to be under under the sea. And and do they care? No. So, you know, it's, it is all about making people a lot more responsible, right? Not, not allowing tax evasion, not allowing offshore accounts, not allowing people to um, ride. Uh, maybe I'd, I'd, I'd be very autocratic. I don't know. It, it, it might be. But I think I would start with having a lot more people from uh, various backgrounds uh, in, in, in my government and really uh, listening to the little guy and having my ear on the ground, you know, it it it, it requires humility, but uh, there is no other way uh, that you can survive as a collective. You know, as a human collective, today we have to really think of how to, you know, protect everyone, how to save everyone. It, it won't be possible, but at least, um, but at least we could stop the the kind of wanton uh, destruction that the rich are are wrecking on our planet. So these are my last words. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. Thanks so much, Anu. Thanks for providing context and knowledge about our ecological treasures, which are under threat and which urgently require a national conversation. Also, thank you for you know explaining the link between conservation, human-animal conflict, and the need to look after who you call mm-hmm. the little guy. Thank you so much, Ashraf. Thank you. It was a great way of putting my work across. So I'm looking forward uh, to your other uh, podcasts, which I, I enjoy. Um, so now, yeah, I just want to say that uh, hopefully I will, I'm, start, I'm working on a book that looks at different understandings of the non-human in Asia and sort of looking more closely at India and China, uh, you know, a thousand years ago and um, how they sort of understood the non-human and, um, and, and how these very different understandings have di- given uh, very different um, ways of dealing with the environment. However, all of this is changing now, but uh, yeah, at least... So thank you, thank you, Ashraf. Sure. Do you do you have do you have the do you have the title of the book and the release date, or is that under a still a work in progress? No, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. I'm sort of um, 
Okay. But Anna, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Uh, and I look forward to reading it as, as and when it's out. And uh, thank you all for listening. Please visit www.allindiansmatter.in. That's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer. That's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R. And All Indians Count. That's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. ITR Blue Studio.